Good morning, church. The singing sounds awesome. That was great. I want to thank John Salute and Richard Carey for Wednesday night helping us understand giving to God. That was a great, fantastic lesson. So thanks so much for all of that. And I also want to share some good news with the church because we had an engagement recently. And our brother and sister, Abby Lash and Karishma got engaged. If they could stand up. Go ahead and stand up. Stand up. Thank you. So incredible story about God working in their lives. So make sure you ask them about that, how God has worked in their life. It's very awesome. And recently we had a couple from our sister church in Fiji move to New Zealand. Initially, they'll be living in Christchurch with plans to come to Auckland. It's Mike and Maria O'Connor. So we're streaming our service this morning through Facebook so they can, they can connect with us. So if you've ever wanted to do something on live television... This morning is your chance. No, not really, Tita. Tita got excited about that. You're excited because they were from Fiji. And since, and since Fiji is on the mind, we also have our brother Ironi from Fiji. Big Bula. Bula, brother. Good to have you. Fantastic. And lastly, I believe it is one of our brother's birthday today. Is it Nick Salamo's birthday today? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. There he is. You just come on over here. And, we'll... and the Warriors won for you Saturday night, Friday night. That's right. That was your birthday present. That was awesome. Friday night. Yeah, it was Friday night. Amen. Well, turn over to the book of Acts, and we're going to start that book this morning. We just finished our, our study of the book of Galatians, which I found personally really, really fruitful, really challenging, really inspiring. And so now we're going to shift gears and talk through the book of Acts. So if you've never studied it, welcome to the book of Acts. It's going to be awesome. The, the period of this book covers about 30 years after Jesus' resurrection. So from Acts chapter 1 to the end of the book, you get close to a 30-year period, which is a good, good period of time for the church. And it's written, as we'll see in verse 1, to someone named Theophilus. And the author is Luke, who obviously wrote the book of Luke. And so this is his second half of his volume. The first part is Luke. The second part is Acts. And Acts is really, is, is really significant for many reasons, but we'll, we'll see that as we study throughout the book. But it's a book full of a lot of speeches. So oftentimes we'll see someone significant stand up, give a speech to a large group of people, which really helps us understand God and his plan and his purpose. And it also is, is, is very historically accurate. Luke, who is a doctor, we know that from one of Paul's writings, his, his detail throughout this book gives, the, gives this book, but also the Bible, huge credibility. He knows titles of governors, army units, major routes, specific local routes, boundaries, titles of city magistrates, and many more things like that to show that this guy wasn't just someone who had kind of a general knowledge of the area, but someone who visited and knew these places and wrote about them because it's been historically documented. And so it's a very historically accurate book and it gives lots of credibility to the Bible. But throughout the, throughout the book of Acts, ultimately what we'll see is that everything points to the Holy Spirit. 
it is incredibly awesome to see the spirit move from beginning to end through this book. And, and even in the first chapter, everything is kind of pointing to Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit arrives. And it arrives to empower the disciples for worldwide mission. In the book of Acts, the word spirit occurs some 57 times, which is a lot. So it's, it's definitely an emphasis on God's spirit and how it moves in the church. For me, as I finished Galatians, I thought it was a phenomenal book that caused me to reflect on the nature of the gospel. And how grace and mercy are the centerpiece. It's not about legalism or, or law. And so it, it did cause me to reflect on the gospel. In contrast, Acts calls us to action. So I think it's appropriate as we, if we studied out the gospel, now we, now we prayerfully and hopefully have got a bit more under, understanding of how grace motivates us. Now, now we're poised for action. And as we look through the book of Acts, we can really center on the Holy Spirit and how it calls us to be men and women of action and call us to save this lost world. We'll learn many things throughout this book. This morning we'll look at three. Let's pray and read the first several verses of Acts chapter 1. God, we are so grateful to be standing or sitting before you and the ability to read and understand your word and just to look back in time and just capture a portrait of what happened when the church first started is highly inspiring. I pray that we're able to imitate our brothers and sisters from 2,000 years ago. And we'll be able to really be inspired by your spirit as well. And look out to the city, look out to this country, and to the ends of the earth, and, and really see your spirit moving. And help us to be a part of that, Father. Help this morning to be the beginning of us really being called to action. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Acts chapter 1, we'll read till verse 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. One of those in the, recorded in the Gospels is he tells Thomas, touch Touch me. It is me. That's a convincing proof. But he, but he does this repeatedly until he goes back to heaven. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. 40 days is an interesting time period because Luke uses that same exact time frame where Jesus gets tempted prior to his ministry. And so in this sense, it's Jesus prepping his disciples for 40 days prior to their worldwide ministry. And in verse 4, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. And boy, did Jesus speak about it. If you look through the Gospel of Luke, he speaks about it. The Gospel of John, specifically chapters 14 to 16, he really concentrates and talks to them about the Holy Spirit. So he's been prepping them. This whole time for what's to come. You've heard me talk about this. Now wait for it. Because it's coming. In verse 5, for John baptized with water. But in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And in verse 6, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea 
and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, this is a way more climactic way to exit than a mic drop. In verse 9, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. We don't know if it was quick Slow motion over a period of time. But this is, this is quite a scene. And in verse 10, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Wow. What an incredible beginning to this book. Jesus ascends, leaves the mission with his disciples, wait for the Spirit, and then go to the ends of the earth. And this context is, is, is mentioned in, in verse 1 where Luke says, My former book, I told you that Jesus began to do these things. He started his work. He started teaching. He started walking on the earth. And, but now he's implying that his work still carries on. He doesn't say, I told you everything Jesus did. I'm telling you everything Jesus began to do. And through you, disciples, the work will continue with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you have to, you have to imagine yourself as, as a disciple knowing that for the last three years you spent quality time with Jesus. You've heard him teach. You've seen him interact with people. You've seen all the miracles. And you feel like, this is the guy I'm following. And then when he leaves, at some point he says, it's better that I go. It's actually better that I go. And you, and you feel like, how can that even be possible? How can it be better that you go away? And he says, it's better that I go because when I ascend, I will send the Holy Spirit. And I'll no longer be limited to one place at one time. The Spirit will dwell in believers all over the globe. And I'll be present all over the place. And it's much better and it's to your advantage that I go. It'll be unlimited capacity for the Holy Spirit. Whereas when Jesus was in the flesh, he was limited to one person in one place at one time. You know, and as in heaven, he can hear all, everyone's prayers. But, you, you know, on one place at one time, if someone's talking, they have to interrupt him for him to talk to someone else. And so he's limited. But now it's, it's better that I go because I will unleash the Holy Spirit. I don't think they quite understood it because even as Jesus is telling this to Mary, she's holding on to him. And what does he say? He says, don't hold on to me. And it's not like, don't, don't touch me, but it's more like, you can't hold me back. I have to go so I can give you the spirit. It is to your advantage that I go. So up until this point, all the disciples experienced God's spirit through Jesus. Right? Yeah. Jesus' work, the spirit is working through Jesus and Jesus is with them. So that's how they experience the Spirit. From this point forward, they'll experience the, they'll experience Jesus through the Spirit. And so it's opposite. Initially, they experienced the Spirit through Jesus. Now they'll experience Jesus through the Spirit. And it continues. And so here's three things that as a result of this Holy Spirit that empowers us, and as a result of the ascension, here's how it redefines our lives. It redefines power. The Holy Spirit redefines power. It redefines church membership. And it redefines the mission. Point number one. The Holy Spirit redefines power. 
They have a question for Jesus in verse 6. And their question as they gather around Jesus is, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Questions somehow reveal our understanding, or more importantly, our lack of understanding. Our limited understanding. My daughter asked me this morning, how come the tooth fairy didn't leave any money under my pillow because I put my tooth under there? And I thought, oh, this is a parent fail. The parent failed. She, we totally forgot. But it, that the question, what happened? It shows her limited understanding. I was like, I, I, I think daylight saving time might have confused the tooth fairy. So bad. She was, she was crying. She's not in here. I was like, oh no, I've blown it. But her question, I could have just said, Here, here's five bucks. You know, it comes from us anyway. That's what I should have done. But that question reveals her lack of understanding. Like she still has a limited understanding. And here, the, the disciples, they gather around Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I'm going. I'm going to send the Spirit. But he says, and they gather around. They said, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And, and for 40 days, he's been talking about the kingdom of God. And he's been trying to prepare them. And he's teaching them. And he's spending time. And, in, and then they ask this question. And, and Jesus kind of answers it in verse 7. It's not for you to know the time or dates the Father is set by His own authority. But, and then He goes on to explain power. And so, as they, they say, is, is it going to happen now? And He says, that question is really not relevant. Your, your, your understanding quite isn't there. But, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. And so it shows that they, they were curious about what Jesus was talking about, but they were quite limited in their understanding. So where, where did this come from, this, this thought? Well, earlier in Matthew, here's what Jesus says to his apostles. Chapter 19, verse 28. When the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, when he ascends, you have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones. Judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So imagine yourself. He says, hey guys, when I ascend and I take my throne, you will also sit on 12 thrones. Oh, really? Well, that sounds pretty cool. So we'll get some kind of power. We'll be ruling somehow. We'll be reigning. So let me get this straight. When the kingdom comes, when it, when it, we'll, be, we'll be in positions of power. So here, you've been talking about it. And he says, I'm about to go back. And then he says... Is, now, is it going to happen now? Are you going to restore it? Are we about to get our power? Are we about to reign? Are we about to rule? And Jesus says, you, you don't even know, you don't know what you're talking about. The tooth fairy is not real. All right? And then he says, but when you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. you. You think power is about ruling. You think power is about reigning. You think power is about these positions that you think you're going to get. But power is about the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's what the Holy Spirit is about. And, and when it comes, it'll help you witness about me. And when it comes, it'll help you to connect to people. Now, culture and society and our value system, they ingrain in us a different definition of power. Yeah. You know, they say that if you have a lot of money 
And this somewhat becomes a twisted reality, but if you have a lot of money, then that equals power. And so we do find those with large amounts of money tend to be those with more power. Or people who have lots of information and know lots of things and and knowledge is power. And so the more you know, the more powerful you become. So if you have money and you have information, then your leverage is stronger. You have more power. And so people aim for these things. And people are influenced by these things. But the funny thing is, that will always be shifting. There'll be somebody with more money. There'll be somebody that knows more than you do. There'll be somebody stronger. There'll be somebody faster. That is always shifting. And so Jesus is trying to help them see, look, let me help you redefine your concept of power. Power is about the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, that's when you'll get power. And what does this mean about applying to our lives? Well, firstly, Jesus says, you'll receive the Holy Spirit and you'll be my witnesses. So you'll go out and talk to people about me. And so one of the chief things that the Holy Spirit does in a very powerful way is allow us to connect to people. It allows us to connect to people. It's not your gift or your lack of gift that allows you to connect to people. It's the power of the Spirit dwelling inside you if you're a disciple of Jesus. Now, I understand we all come from different backgrounds and are raised differently and have different leanings and stuff like that. And some of us are more extroverted and some of us are more introverted. That's all fine. But every one of us that's a disciple has a power inside of us that enables us to connect to people. And it doesn't matter, you know, and, and, and some are more social and some are not as social. But the Holy Spirit is a social spirit. Yeah. It's a very social spirit. Yeah. And you have that dwelling inside of you. And, and, and it also allows you to connect, connect on a more depth, a level of more depth. Humanity kind of connects at superficial points. But the Holy Spirit, when that power is inside of you, it allows us to connect to people on a level that has more depth. It redefines power because it allows us to see it's not about any program. It's about the power of the Spirit. It's interesting because Jesus says, Wait in Jerusalem for my gift. And I think if I, I, you know, there's, there's there's a potential thought of reasoning that says, Well, wait here until you finish seminary. And then you go start preaching the gospel. So once you go to seminary, you'll fully understand it. Or wait here until you finish reading the entire Old Testament, guys. Once you get that, then you'll go. Wait till you finish all your follow-up studies. Wait till you finish the New Testament. Wait till you finish the program. And then you go out and really get started. It's not about any type of program. Jesus says, wait for the Spirit. And I think there is a tendency to get hooked to more programs. But Jesus says, there's there's none of that. It's just the Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so there's plenty of uncertainty. Well, how's it going to work? You know, what's our organization structure going to be like? How are we going to organize ourselves? What's our plan going to be? Jesus says, you're going to have power. That's all you need to know. And this is such a a wild time because there's, there's really no missionary books. I read, I read several before I came to New Zealand. I had the advantage of being 2,000 years removed and think, okay, let me, let me try to think like a missionary. Jesus says, there's no books, there's no rules, there's nothing, just the Spirit. Now go for it. And that's very inspiring. That means every, every believer that has the Holy Spirit inside of them can trust more in the Spirit and less on a program. And it also means that the trajectory of our lives will change. The Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. You remember what Jesus 
or they, the, the opponents say about the disciples later in the book of Acts, right? They're so surprised because they're what type of men? Unschooled and ordinary men. Now, this isn't the most encouraging phrase in the literal Greek, but it's helpful to see what that phrase means. And it's a phrase in the Greek, agramatos idiates. Here are some agramatos idiates. What is agramatos? Ah meaning no, grammar meaning no learning. Literally, illiterate. Idiot, no explanation needed there. They took me because these were illiterate idiots. Look at these guys. But look how powerful they are. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. No seminary. No program. No training. I'm sure they were encouraged as they called them that. And I'm sure Jesus didn't showcase his band. Let me introduce you to my illiterate idiots over here. They're going to change the world. But that's what they're called. But look at the book of Acts. Man, they're standing up preaching. They're bold. They're getting arrested. They're getting martyred. Why? The power of the Holy Spirit. It changed the trajectory of these guys' lives. So no matter who you think you are, or who you don't think you are, no matter your background, your flaws, your ineffectiveness that you think, or your deficiencies, all of that can change because of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's an agent that powerfully lives inside of you, changing the very trajectory of who you and I are. And praise God for that. Because the Holy Spirit redefines power. Secondly, it redefines membership as well. And their question in verse 6, it all centers really around this question. They gather around him and they say, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And so their, their understanding, again, is only limited to what country? Israel. And maybe understandably so, it's, it's very, there's a lot of flavor of that in the Old Testament that a ruler like David will come and restore the kingdom and Israel will rule. And, but Jesus, they'll say, is it so, and we all kind of understand this, there's a national pride, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And, and, they, and, and so we understand that, but Jesus says, okay, don't worry about that question, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea. Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so you can see their, their limited, narrow, nationalistic mindset kind of like, oh, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. Oh, I thought, I thought it was just about us and Israel. And you, you, you can see that there, and throughout the book of Acts, this, this becomes kind of a platform for the missionary journey. It could be kind of a table of contents, because chapters 1 through 7, you do see the gospel spread throughout Jerusalem. And then chapters 8 through something else, you see it spread to Judea and Samaria. And then beyond that, it goes to the ends of the earth. And so what Jesus says does happen, and it's still happening. But it it required some redefining of membership because they have and we have and I have and you have some some cookie cutter mentality of what a church member should look like. Right. And, And he says, no, it's not just about Israel. It's beyond that. It's bigger than that. In Revelation, there's a. 
crazy passage, chapter 7, verse 9. And this is when everything is said and done and judgment happens. And it says, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one can count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Standing before the throne and before the land, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And so at the, at, the, at the end of time, it's not just, it would have been a surprise because they say, oh, it's just Israel. No, it's every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every person. Uh, and and, and you, see, you see this when they have trouble with Jesus when he's walking around and, and the Pharisees say, why are you eating with sinners? Why are you eating with that type of person? We have a specific type of person that meets our requirements and criteria for church membership. And Jesus comes on the earth and he redefines it. How many of you watch these cooking shows? You can be honest, men, if you watch them to learn how to cook better. It's all good. But there's, there's a certain criteria, right, that meets that they say this is a good dish. And they get these competent cooks and they display their creativity and their cuisine prowess as they prepare. And then they, they make this delicacy that looks like that. And then the judges just say, well, this, this is exquisite. Or this, but there's a little, you know, if you've seen it. They, but, the, but these are really competent people. And so there's a, there's, a, there's a criteria or a definition of what makes a good meal. Or what makes a good presentation, right? And, and so they judge them on that. However, these shows are being redefined. And if you've ever seen Nailed It, you'll know what I'm talking about. Because Nailed It is a redefining of what makes a good cook. On Nailed It, they give you a dish to make, and then they find three incompetent cooks. And those guys try to have to reproduce what the image is. So, for instance, they were given, here, we want you to make a cake that looks like Buzz Lightyear. They give them all the ingredients all the time. And they go in the kitchen and they work and they work and they work. And this is what they come up with. And they present and they say, boy, I nailed it. I nailed it, right? And that's, that's my cake versus Pietrus's cake. Nailed it. You know, and, but there's a redefining. Like, you, you don't have to be some competent person in the kitchen to be on the show. There's kind of a redefinition, right? And in some way, it's kind of like, okay, e- even I could go on there. Well, maybe not, actually. But that's what Jesus is saying. Look, we've we got to redefine who we reach out to. It's unlimited. There's no limits. There's no boundaries. It's not just Israel. It's to the ends of the earth. And this should correct our narrow view because we probably have narrow views on who we think should become Christians. And we have to recognize those and realize that the Spirit redefines all of that. I look for people like me. I look for people that talk like me, have the same interests like me. And there's not many here, but they're all back in America. But we all probably have that. Or we all have probably made a judgment of someone that's, uh, they're not, they're probably not open to the gospel. But Jesus says, I want you to redefine your church membership. 
The Holy Spirit redefines. It's blown wide open. But it also gives us a chance to practice in our own fellowship. Because we are quite a mix. We are quite a blend. But we all still probably have a narrow mentality of what it means to fellowship with one another. And I see it kind of on a practical level before and after church. Because I see the same people who get it kind of go and engage with people. But then there's also the same people who are kind of waiting to be engaged. Does that make sense? Not Abby Lash and Karishma. They're already engaged. That's credit to Richard Carey. I think he used that the other day. Thanks, Richard. Wherever he is. But, but there's this idea. You think, I, I, here's what it means for me to come and sit down in church. But, but redefining membership means I want to come and I want to learn as much as I can about somebody else. And I want to learn how to engage. I want to learn how to give. I want to learn how to connect to all kinds of people. So we can practice. And I encourage and challenge people that normally don't to do that this afternoon after church is over. There is no cookie cutter candidate for God's household. The Holy Spirit redefines membership. And lastly, it redefines mission. Their question again is limited in in its scope. It all really centers around Jerusalem. So I appreciate all the teaching, Jesus, and I appreciate everything you're doing. But is it, is it, is it going to be restored to Israel? And Jesus, again, broadens their horizon. No. It's going to be about Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Now, in the Old Testament, again, there, there was a concept of mission. But it was a bit different from the New Testament concept. For instance, Isaiah captures the flavor of mission in the Old Testament. The mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. What does that mean? That means in the Old Testament, they they did have an idea of mission, but it was more about we're a light to the surrounding nations. The nations will see it and they'll come to us. So that means we got to really look the part and act the part. And when we do, we'll shine and nations will stream to it. So there, there, was a, there was an idea of mission, but you see how that worked, right? It was they shine and people would come to them. And so in the New Testament, Jesus will add another element. He'll say, no, it's just, it's, I know the Old Testament says everybody will stream to it. But I'm going to tell you, when the Holy Spirit comes, it redefines the sense of mission. Because you're not just going to allow people to come to you. But you will be my witnesses. You 12, 11 at this point, they'll replace Judas in the next several verses. But you 12 who have seen me, who have walked with me, who have witnessed my life. You're going to go to the ends of the earth. People aren't going to come to you. You're going to go to them. Because the Holy Spirit redefines this mission. And this, this is very inspiring. And so the Old Testament was kind of a centripetal. This is a science. We experience these, these in everyday life, these two forces of science. One is centripetal, one is centrifugal. Centripetal means it's circling toward the center. It's pulling it in. When a satellite orbits the earth, that's centripetal. It's pulling it to the center. That's the Old Testament model where they shine and everybody's supposed to come to them. And you hear this, I often hear this when people, I ask them about, how's your outreach going? This is mainly non, or people that claim Christianity in, in the evangelical world. They say, I'm just, I, just, I just am a light to the world. I let, I, let my, I let my life really show. And I let people come talk to me. I mean, I, and that's good, but what about the other part of it? Because that, that's, that's kind of a, 
narrow view where you just allow people to be attracted to you. But, but the New Testament is more centrifugal. And this is what I used to do in my olden days, back in my country. No, I never did this, but it looks quite fun. But that's the idea when mud flies off the tire, just flat goes everywhere. That's centrifugal. So centripetal is you attract, centrifugal is where it goes out. And Jesus says, I'm redefining it. The Holy Spirit allows you to go everywhere. To the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit redefining mission calls me to action. It calls you to action. calls all of us to action. What are some things that prevent us from taking action? Like was mentioned in the communion. And by the way, I believe the Spirit. Welcome. Acts chapter 2. Communion, Acts chapter 2. Message, Acts chapter 1. Side note, don't use those when you do welcome or communion. Because <laughs> you take away from them what I'm going to say. No, just kidding. But seriously, though. Alberto. But what prevents us from taking action? Well, in this passage, you see a couple of them. There's, there's this preoccupation. And, and there's distractions. There's this... In verse 11, they're, you know, they've just been given a mission, basically, to go save earth. But now they're looking up into heaven. And it's, it's, a, it's a rhetorical device that I'm saying, they, they, they're not, they don't quite get it yet. You know, okay, guys, i got a mission to go save the world. Hey, 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 guys, what are you doing looking into the sky? Right? That's kind of the attitude that's got here. And so, you know, we can get these preoccupations or, or these distractions and where we're stargazing. We think, man, I'm just looking for a spiritual experience. You know, I want to experience the Bible, which is fine, by the way. But you got to come back to earth and get on the mission. You know what I'm saying? You know, you can't just want these kind of things and be preoccupied. And you can even be distracted by good spiritual things. Because they have a good question. Hey, when does the kingdom get restored? And Jesus says, yeah, that's not really important. But when the spirit comes, you're going to get on a mission. And so we can get distracted by, by good spiritual things. And that aren't really relevant to the mission. And can distract us. What does the book of Revelation really mean? And what does the, the goats and the... I, I, get on the mission. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, those are fine things to talk about, by the way. But they can become kind of lofty. You know, when will Jesus come back? Let's try to pin down the date. And many have tried and always have failed. What does this passage mean? What is baptism of the dead? Let's really try to figure this out. And Jesus says, get on the mission. The Holy Spirit redefines it. It's not about being preoccupied. It's not about being distracted. It's about being on the mission. Those are fine concepts and ideas, most of which we won't understand until Jesus comes back anyway. But what we do understand is Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses. And you're going to go to the ends of the earth. It also happens in our, we have smaller groups in our churches, and, and it's awesome because the, the purpose of those groups is, is to reach out and also take care of one another. So it's a twofold purpose. The more you take care of one another, the more you're able to reach out, and the more you reach out, you take care of one another. It's this kind of revolving door. And, and after you spend a year or two years in, in a small group, you become tight. Yeah. 
and you, be, you, become, you become close and you become a unit. The more time, the closer you get. But then when it comes time to split and form another group, that can create some tension, and rightfully so, because, oh no, but we've, we've been together for two years, and this is my favorite, and I gotta go in this group. I can't go, I gotta stay. That happens. That happens. Right? And it's kind of like, get on the mission. Go out there with, some, with, with a new set of friends and build new memories and build new friendships as you're on the mission together. That's what, that's what helps us bond together anyway. Phenomenal time last night, man. Hanging, hanging out with the Prezes and we had another couple of... It was, it was so fun, but it was so awesome to be together. Like we're reaching out to these people. I felt like, oh man, this, this is where it, it, where it bonds us together. Yes. It was so inspiring. You feel like motivated. You're like, no, this, we're on the mission together. And the Holy Spirit redefines all of that. It's not about just acting the part, being the part. It's about being engaged because of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says this, you're my plan until I come back. In the meantime... And since he ascended until he returns, that's our call. That's our call. I believe we can do it. I believe this church wants to do it. I believe this church is doing it. And I believe we can be engaged even more if we really tap in to the power of the Holy Spirit. And we really access the Holy Spirit because that's what animates the entire book of Acts anyway. The power of the Holy Spirit. In this passage, and we'll learn throughout the book, the Holy Spirit animates and is active. He's going to carry out the mission, with or without you or me. And I would hate to look back in hindsight and see something miraculously happen and say, man, I wish I would have been a part of that. We do have a chance to be a part of it. The Holy Spirit wants to animate your life. It redefines your definition of power. Power isn't about position. It's about the spirit that dwells inside of you, enabling you to connect to people. The power redefines membership. No one is off limits. It's open to everyone. And the power of the Holy Spirit redefines mission. Let's not get distracted. Let's not get preoccupied. Let's go to the ends of the earth. Amen. Amen.